It is Wednesday, November 27th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 13 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. Jared, it's a goofy week always for Thanksgiving. Yeah, for fantasy purposes, we got three Thursday games starting at noon, so we all have to make sure that we not only get our lineup set by Thursday, but before noon on Thursday, and it's getting to be fantasy playoff time or like on the verge of fantasy playoffs, so we'll especially be punished if we don't get our lineup set on time. Yeah, I, I love Thanksgiving for the food and you know football all day, but I hate Thanksgiving because we have the same amount of work to do and we have like basically one full day less to do it. Yeah, it, it sucks for fantasy purposes, but you know we, it, it is what it is. And and the good thing about it is when you do get stuff done earlier, then there's a little bit more time to chill over the next couple of days. So anyway, it, this won't be the same preview show as usual because we ha- are condensed here in the week. Not a game by game. We're going to go more position by position. Really talk about the guys where there are some decisions, guys that might sit in a significantly different spot in the rankings than usual. We'll skip the ones that you know you're going to play or that you know you shouldn't be playing this week. Of course, you can check DraftSharks.com for the rankings, for your My Team page, and get specific answers on anybody else that you are wondering about. For now, though, Jared, let's jump into quarterbacks. And I think the big thing this week, which was kind of the big thing last week at quarterback, is do you play the star quarterback who's going up against the Patriots? Yeah, and you know we... We had Dak Prescott ranked, I don't know, what was he, like 15th or 16th last week, and I didn't feel super comfortable with it. But he, he ended up finishing quarterback 24 against the Patriots. So, you know, b- benching Dak last week was the right call. Lamar Jackson is still the only quarterback to finish top 15 against the Patriots this season. Um, you know, he did a lot of that with his legs. And Deshaun Watson can can run, but he can't run like Lamar Jackson. Um, I think if you're starting Watson, the good news is at least he's at home, you know, versus Dak who was on the road in a pretty ugly game weather-wise. But, you know, and we'll talk about some spot starters, but there's definitely guys I think you can probably pick up off the waiver wire that I would use over Deshaun Watson this week. Yeah, and I I, I guess I won't give them away because we'll get to some of those spot start guys. But, I mean, even among guys that are behind Watson in the rankings, if I had to bet money on who will finish higher this week between Deshaun Watson and Jared Goff, I'd have a hard time not betting on Jared Goff, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Goff outscores him. Maybe it's the fact that we all just watched Goff lay another egg on Monday night against the Ravens, but it would just be tough for me to sit Deshaun Watson for Jared Goff. But I I don't think it's crazy at all, and I wouldn't blame anyone for making that move. Yeah, we'll get more to Jared Goff in a few minutes, but uh, for now, other, others at the quarterback spot. Matt Ryan's coming off a shockingly bad outing against Tampa Bay where he didn't even manage a touchdown pass. I didn't know that was possible, but it happened there – now he gets New Orleans, which is a tougher defense, but it's in Atlanta. He's been money for us in fantasy for most of the season. Are, are you how strongly are you, are you reacting to what happened last week with Matt Ryan? I mean, it's not it's not even just last week. If it was, it'd be easier to to start him. But Ryan's now finished outside the top twelve fantasy quarterbacks in four straight weeks, and the, the first one of those was that Rams game where he left a bit early. But he he wasn't going to finish top twelve even if he stayed healthy in that game. Um, he finished quarterback sixteen against the Saints back in week ten, one hundred eighty two yards, two touchdowns in that game. So you know th- that was actually one of his better games among the last four. Ryan does get Devontae Freeman back on Thursday, which which helps. I mean, he's a much better pass catcher than Brian Hill. Um, but Julio Jones is a game-time decision with his shoulder injury. So if Julio's out, I think Ryan is a guy you definitely want to bench. If he has Julio, he's sort of in the same range for me as Deshaun Watson as a guy. If he's your if he's your best option, fine. But again, there's probably guys available on the waiver wire that I'd use over Matt Ryan. Yeah, I'd be a little scared to sit him in, usually in this spot, but it's a pretty good week for streaming-type quarterbacks. So it's it's more comfy than usual, especially with how he has looked lately and especially coming off the worst outing in that span. So I am much comfier than I normally would be in not using Matt Ryan this week if I can help it. So let's get to some of the guys that we're playing over these players that had been weekly fantasy quarterbacks. The first one up is Carson Wentz. And I can't get comfy 
with Carson Wentz, honestly, as high as he is, is in our rankings, I have to keep reminding myself about who he's playing this week and that the Dolphins are really just a different matchup from, I mean, even the Bucks, even any other team in the league, it's just different when you're playing against the Dolphins. They have, they're so bad that they can cure whatever is going wrong with you. And that's the exact word I was going to use is cure. The Finns just cure everything. I mean, we saw it with Baker Mayfield last week, and I will say that Baker was playing better heading into that game, or at least producing better than Carson Wentz is now. So, you know, I don't feel as good about Wentz as I did Baker last week, but I, I still would be surprised if Wentz really disappoints here. The Dolphins have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in nine of 11 games this season. That includes multiple passing scores to Case Keenum and Mason Rudolph. So again, you know, I, I get Wentz has struggled. Sounds like he's going to get Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar back this week, which which can't hurt considering the guys he was throwing to. So I I think Wentz is a guy I would I would I'd pretty comfortable use him over Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan. Yeah, so I mean I have to keep telling myself that if Carson Wentz were playing well right now, I mean he'd be like QB three yeah. right now. If everybody were healthy in the the Philly offense, if they had Deshaun Jackson, I mean he might be QB one this week. So I need to tell myself that at the bottom of starter territory is really kind of a modest ranking for even Carson Wentz the way he's been playing lately and the way his offense has looked against the opponent that they're taking on this week. Yes, exactly. Nick Foles, I'm having, I, I still am having an easier time liking this week. He didn't work out for me in DFS last week, but even without a touchdown pass against the Titans, he was still QB 15 in that game through 48 passes. He has thrown 95 passes in his two games since returning from IR. Now they get the Bucs. They're hosting the Bucs. Tampa Bay is number one against the run still, according to Football Outsiders DVOA, number 25 against the pass. So, I mean, these Jags are already kind of leaning pass. It's a perfect spot for them to throw plenty. This could be the week that I was hoping last week was going to be for Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I think this is the week for Foles. I'll be using him in DFS tournaments this week. Yeah, 95 pass attempts now for Foles over the last two weeks. And some of that has been game script. You know, they've been playing from behind, but... Like you said, the Bucks are so much better against the run than the past. Teams are smartly passing against Tampa Bay. The Bucks have faced the second most pass attempts in the NFL this season. Um, so you know, if if Foles and Wentz are available to you, I, I that's honestly a tough decision for me. I I feel a bit safer with Wentz, but I definitely think Foles has the higher ceiling this week. Yeah, I cannot argue strongly one way or the other. My personal lean is Foles, but it's also. Uh, you know, Wentz has another couple of good matchups right beyond that. Do you have in front of you who the Jaguars are playing the next couple games? So after the Bucks, they get the Chargers. So you probably wouldn't want to use Foles there. But then the Jags finish the season at Oakland and at Atlanta. So, um, yeah, and then and then Wentz gets the Giants followed by the Redskins and Cowboys. I mean, you could you could roster Foles and Wentz right now and be pretty solid at quarterback the rest of the way. Yeah, and then you'll be set for if either one gets hurt or disappoints this week and you feel worse about him next week. So yeah, I like both of them. I like schedules for both of them. I like both of them this week. Sam Darnold is getting a lot easier to like, um, especially if you're out partying and he's had a few, um, but coming off a second straight good game, he's in a good spot this week. How do you feel about using Sam Darnold against the Bengals? Yeah, it seems, I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but Darnold feels pretty safe this week, uh, considering how well he's played the last two weeks. This Bengals matchup, I mean, Football Outsiders has Cincinnati 31st in pass defense. The concern with Darnold and why, for me, he's behind Wentz and Foles is just pass volume. Yeah, teams just haven't had to pass against the Bengals. Cincinnati's actually faced the fewest pass attempts in the NFL this season. I do think that um, Andy Dalton being back for Cincinnati helps that a bit. I think the Bengals offense will be better with Darnold with um, Andy Dalton back. So Darnold, you know, should have to throw it at least a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with all that. It's going to be an interesting week for DFS quarterbacks because I think even with Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen all off of the main slate because they're playing Thursday, it, it still seems like things are going to be pretty well spread around. Have Have you seen Andy Dalton's price on DraftKings? <laughs> I, I heard about it. What is <laughs> yeah, it? We'll talk about Dalton on a Friday. What's his number, though? Uh, he's 4,700 on DraftKings. Oh, boy. Yeah, I heard about it being Andy Dalton Chalk Week as soon as he came back. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll talk more about it on Friday. Um, I agree, though. If, if I'm getting 45 Nick Foles pass attempts against the Bucks or 30 Sam Darnold pass attempts against the Bengals, I, I like Nick Foles. Yep. Plus, I think Nick Foles has a better 
group of receivers than Sam Darnold right now. I, I think, well, I, I was I was about to say, I think maybe Jamison Crowder is the best single guy, but a DJ Chark's probably the best single guy out of all of their options. Yep, I would take Foles' trio of receivers over Darnold's pretty easily, actually. Who else are we playing over Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan? Uh, the last guy who might be still available, I think, in a lot of leagues, Ryan Tannehill, who turned in his fifth straight top 12 fantasy finish last week. He actually finished second among all quarterbacks in fantasy points last week. Of course, he had the two rushing touchdowns, which helps. You can't count on those. But, I mean, he, he is a guy who throughout his career has given us some rushing production. He's playing well as a passer right now. He's completed 71% of his passes, averaged 9.3 yards per attempt over his last five games. So he, he's playing well. The matchup against the Colts is neutral, so nothing to worry about there. So Tannehill's another guy I'd play over both Watson and Matt Ryan. It seems crazy when you think about how much the Titans passing game was struggling with Marcus Mariota. But if you think back to his time in Miami, Ryan Tannehill was probably a better fantasy quarterback there than most of us remember. I mean, he was at least perennially around the 11 to 15 range in points per game. So mm-hmm. he's got decent talent around him. As you mentioned, there's always the rushing upside. He started out as a wide receiver in college, so we know he has the athleticism. Mm-hmm. So it's still a little crazy how well he's doing, but it's it's one of those things that it, it, it's he's not Gardner Minshew. He didn't come out of nowhere and start producing. We just It, it had just been a while since we saw him do it. Yeah, I mean, tough to imagine him keeping up this pace, but I mean, the guy's hot, so I think we can keep keep playing him for now. And again, t- to me, it's the rushing that makes me feel pretty comfortable using him this week. Uh, you, of course, you can check DraftSharks.com and QB rankings to see anybody else that you might have who's ahead of Deshaun Watson uh, or Matt Ryan or anybody else that might be down the list. We mentioned Andy Dalton. He is back in the lineup this week, probably the first good coaching move that Zach Taylor has made for the Bengals so far. I mean, they were garbage with Ryan Finley in there. I guess it makes sense to take a look at Ryan Finley when you're in the middle of a lost season and you need to know whether you should be looking at quarterback in round one. I think the answer there is yes, you probably should be looking quarterback in round one. But for now, we got Andy Dalton back. It's a big boost to fantasy. I think it raises the floor for Tyler Boyd. And I think Andy Dalton has a shot to jump right back into the top 12 this week. Yeah, I mean, Dalton sits below Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan in our rankings. I, I don't think it's crazy to play him over either of those guys. I mean, if, if Julio Jones is out, I would definitely play Andy Dalton over Matt Ryan. I think Dal- Dalton was better in fantasy than I think people remember or, or realize the first eight games of the season. Um, he was actually a top 12 fantasy quarterback in four of those eight games. And, and he gets the Jets here, who you know are, are not a good pass defense. They're 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, and even with a couple of really bad games thrown in, he was QB 14 in points per game. He is half a point behind Aaron Rodgers in points per game for the season. He's just ahead of Drew Brees in fantasy points per game for the season. So Andy Dalton was delivering. He's He's been a better fantasy quarterback than real-life quarterback for at least the past several years now. So uh, consider him right back in the weekly starting mix at this point, like a you know streaming-slash-platoon-level quarterback. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Dalton gets the Dolphins in Week 16. So, you know, maybe Dalton wins you a fantasy championship. Yeah, even if you don't want to start him in his first game back, stash him and think about him later on. Yep. Over to running back, where Aaron Jones was a player of discussion for us a little bit in rankings time this week, and actually less of a, a discussion than I was expecting initially when I projected him. He's been a touchdown-reliant runner lately, barely any receiving work since Devontae Adams came back. In three games, he's seen four targets, caught one ball for a loss of one yard. That was after being a receiving monster while Devontae Adams was out. Uh, We've also seen Aaron Jones only top 13 carries twice all season, so he's not a great bet for carries. He's basically lately been Sony Michelle, but with fewer carries than Sony Michelle. But... We got some good words from Matt LaFleur this week, right? Yeah, LaFleur said, I think it was on Tuesday, that he he needs to to do a better job getting Jones involved, especially in the passing game. I mean, yeah, Jones has been Sonny Michelle these past four games. The the difference is that you know we've seen Jones be awesome in the passing game. So, you know, that that upside is still there. I don't expect him to get back to the level of target volume he was seeing with Devontae Adams out. But I also think, you know, the, the volume he's seen over these past few games is bound to climb. Um, you know, Jamal Williams is out-targeted 
Aaron Jones 15 to four over the past three games, but their routes run are very similar. 64 for Williams, 50, 57 for Aaron Jones. I I think the targets between those two are going to even out and be, you know, pretty much right, right in the same ballpark the rest of the way, you know, versus what we've seen over the past three games. Yeah. I mean, we all know what Aaron Jones is capable of. There's only so much you can do in projecting, though, like projecting what a guy can do and ignoring what the team is letting him do. And I I mean, before Matt LaFleur said anything, I was worried that we, you know, we couldn't just keep projecting Aaron Jones for, you know, four targets a week and assume that Green Bay was going to go back to doing it when they weren't. So that was really what I needed to see from Matt LaFleur this week. And if Aaron Jones is catching, you know, three, four passes and, you know, maybe the Giants figure out that they need to put together a plan for stopping Devontae Adams, whatever they have to do to make that happen, because there are so other reliable targets in the Packers pass offense right now. Maybe they go out of their way to try to remove Devontae Adams from that game and it opens up space for Aaron Jones to be more of a go-to receiver right away. So to have the coach say that he needs to and wants to get Aaron Jones more involved, get him more touches. We know the touchdown upside. We know that the offense has overall upside. We know the matchup itself has scoring upside. So I went from being worried about Aaron Jones this week to actually feeling pretty good about him. Yeah, and again, to me, it's the fact that he's, you know, run 19 pass routes per game over the last three. You know, that 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 shows us that the it's not like the Packers have just gone to Jamal Williams as their primary pass catching back. I think it's more just a small sample, you know, three game fluke almost that Williams has seen that many more targets than Jones, despite running basically the same number of routes. In the Philly backfield, we've seen lots of Miles Sanders over the past two weeks, perhaps not quite as much as we might have hoped if we've been using him in lineups. Jordan Howard is coming back from the shoulder injury. He's been practicing on a limited basis for a while now. It sounds like he's trending toward being ready to play this week. We'll have to see, though, as the week goes on, because Doug Peterson also said that um, Jordan Howard needs to build up strength in that injured shoulder. So we'll see as we get closer to the weekend whether Jordan Howard's playing. I think if you're making the decision right now, if you're deciding between him and somebody that's playing Thursday, then you probably have to go for the Thursday running back and assume that Jordan Howard is not going to be full Jordan Howard on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's tough. It depends, I guess, who else your other Sunday options would be. But if you're, you know, if it's someone like Devontae Freeman or even David Montgomery, I, I would just use one of those guys on Thursday. Um, Doug Peterson also said on Wednesday morning that Jordan Howard still hadn't been cleared for contact as of that time. So, I mean, I, I think there's still a chance he misses Sunday's game. Um, I mean, if, if Howard's out, Miles Sanders is, I think, like a borderline running back one just in this matchup against the Dolphins. Um, if Howard's back, I would I, I think Howard and Sanders are both usable. Um, the, the Dolphins have faced the most running back rushing attempts in the NFL. You know, teams just get the lead on them and pound the ball. So I think there should be enough to go around for both Sanders and Howard. And we know that Philly doesn't mind running the ball plenty when it can. Um, I agree with both of them being usable. I think even if you're deciding between Jordan Howard and Bo Scarborough, I I think I'd have to go ahead and use Bo Scarborough, assuming that we don't get clearance for contact for Howard before the Thursday noon game starts. Yeah, I mean, if you have no other viable options for Sunday, I, I would use Scarborough over Howard. Mm-hmm. And there's upside for Scarborough in that matchup. He's seen a lot of carries over the past two weeks. And Chicago, the the area that, that Chicago has been weaker is in run defense lately. Yeah, he, he's on our list here. Want to just talk about Scarborough real quick? Yeah, sure. Jump to him. Yeah, I mean, 32 carries over the past two games, um, 76% of the Lions total. So, you know, they, they've committed to him as the lead ball carrier. Um, but the, the downside, he has one target over the past two games and he's only run 17 total pass routes. So he he's likely to give you a zero in the passing game, but in this matchup against Chicago, I, I don't see the bears running away and forcing the lions to, to abandon the run. So I think Scarborough is a pretty decent bet for like 15 plus carries. Yeah, I agree with that. And at least if you are deciding between Scarborough and Jordan Howard, Jordan Howard's been similarly used in the receiving game. He might get one catch, but he's not likely at this point to get a whole lot more than that. Right. Yep. Beyond the Philly situation, we've got Jonathan Williams for the Colts and it is going to be Jonathan Williams again. They've already ruled out Marlon Mack for week 13. We wondered heading into last week's game against Houston whether it was going to be Jonathan Williams sharing time with Jordan Wilkins, and it was absolutely not at all. Jordan Wilkins was non-existent in that game. What a stupid game plan by the Colts on Thursday night to to run 
that much past that little. I think that they, they were over 60% running that game against a Texans defense that's so much tougher against the run than the pass. But I guess that's besides the point. Williams did dominate the backfield work, 26 carries, three targets. The, the 29 opportunities he saw in that game were actually more than Marlon Mack has gotten in all but one of his 10 games this season. So the volume, obviously, on Williams' side, he's playing well, too. 5.6 yards per carry over the past two weeks. And Pro Football Focus has Williams first in their rushing grades among 23 running backs with 20 plus carries over the last two weeks so he's playing well and he's getting the volume so you know he he's safely inside running back two territory in the rankings this week I love it I love it several (laughs) years ago we were like oh I like Jonathan Williams and then he you know failed to make a roster and then he bounced around the other rosters you know practice squads and it's like all right, I guess I was wrong about that guy. I've been wrong before. Nope. Oh, well. And finally, he gets an opportunity, and he's absolutely delivering. Yeah, we weren't wrong. Everyone else was just wrong for the past three years or whatever it's been. Take that, world. So, yeah, <laughs> Jonathan Williams against Tennessee this week. Uh, you know, Tennessee, we've mentioned before, tougher on the run than the pass, but so is Houston, and Jonathan Williams worked out there. So I feel good about Jonathan Williams this week. Yep, I think he's, he's a good bet for at least 15-plus carries, and you know, there's a chance he gets up to 20 again. Ronald Jones is in a nice spot this week for a change. Um, he's been the it, – it's been three games since – Bruce Arians said he deserved to be the starter, and he has barely been the starter. I mean, he might have been the first one in the game, but he's basically still been splitting carries with Peyton Barber. He's still been sharing red zone stuff. Um, not a lot of rushing volume, but this week they go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, tougher on the pass and the run, been very weak against the run lately. Uh, we could finally get an actual good Ronald Jones game and not just the fake good one uh, like he had against Arizona. Yeah, this Jags Rundy has been horrible. They're giving up 5.6 yards per carry through running backs on the season, 6.8 yards per carry through running backs over the last four games. And, you know, Derrick Henry last week has had a big part in that. But, you know, even even before that, they were really struggling. So, yeah, I mean, J- Jones has 27 carries only over the last three games. It is 52% of Tampa's total running back carries. They, they just, you know, haven't run the ball much in general. This is definitely a game where they should come out trying to run Ronald Jones at least a little bit more. Yeah, and that'll decrease the opportunities for Jameis Winston to throw pick sixes. So <laughs> right. I think it's a good spot for Ronald Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes significantly higher than where we have him ranked even. Obviously, the the risk is that we really just haven't seen him do all that much this season. Right, yeah, like him as a DFS tournament play this week. Seattle backfield, good luck if you have to decide whether to play a Seahawks running back this week. I would imagine, based on what Pete Carroll has said coming out of the Sunday game, that we will at least get Rashad Penny in a significant number two running back role, if not, you know, an even split. And really, I mean, at this point, there there seems to be no reason for Seattle not to go with a fairly even split between those two. Yeah, and Penny Penny was involved last week against the Eagles, even before Carson had the fumbles, um, which was a, a change from what we had been seeing. We have we have no idea what the backfield split's going to look like. The Seahawks might not even know; it might just depend on how these guys are are performing once once kickoff happens. I think the good news is there's quite a bit of work to go around. The Seahawks are still the fifth run heaviest offense in the NFL. Seattle's running backs as a group are averaging 24.6 carries per game. So you, you take 25 carries and you divvy them up. Even if it's like 15, 10, either way, um, I think even the guy in the lesser side of that is still a decent fantasy option. Um, I, I still, I'm still betting it's Chris Carson that gets the first shot and then the Seahawks kind of just go from there. So if I'm picking between the two, I would still lean to Chris Carson. If I were picking between them, I guess I would have to do the same thing, but I'm playing uh, Tevin Coleman, Kenyon Drake, Ronald Jones, Austin Eckler, all those guys over Chris Carson this week. Yeah, I don't know about Eckler if we're talking non-PPR, but yeah, I think he's right in the same range as as, as those other guys. Um, the, the other thing here is it's a tough matchup on the ground against Minnesota, who is giving up just 4.1 yards per carry to running backs this season. Yeah, I agree. So Arizona backfield, just kind of alluded to with Kenyon Drake, they're getting Chase Edmonds likely back. Now we have another guess to make here. We already saw that David Johnson's return didn't hurt Kenyon Drake's share of the backfield. It basically pushed David Johnson to the side. Are they going to do the same thing with Chase Edmonds now? I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, the last we've seen of both David Johnson and Chase Edmonds is Edmonds is the much better player at this point. So I think there's 
a much better chance that he returns and cuts into Kenny and Drake's workload a bit. Cliff Kingsbury said earlier this week, quote, it's on us as an offensive staff to find different ways to get them involved and get them the football, you know, talking about all three of those guys. We'll see. I don't think Johnson or Edmonds are usable this week. Um, I think, you know, they're fine stashes, especially Edmonds. And I think Drake is still a fantasy starter. Just, just realize there's more risk this week that, you know, he maybe only sees half of the backfield work rather than, you know, 75, 80% that he had been seeing. Right. He should be up more like in the, you know, 14 to 18 range. And he's really low RB two um, right. because of the uncertainty in that backfield. Yep. The Kansas City backfield has a little uncertainty as well. Uh, what, what's the latest on the injuries of those guys that, as far as you've seen? So LaShawn McCoy, it turns out he didn't sustain a concussion in that last game. So he's fine. He just acts like a guy who's been concussed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Damian Williams left that Chargers game with a rib injury. We haven't heard anything on him yet. You know, we'll update it in Shark Plates. The, the Chiefs did add a running back to the practice squad. They signed Elijah McGuire, which seemed to hint at some concern that Damian Williams won't be available. So yeah, at this point, as of Wednesday, I, I have no idea what to make of this backfield, but I think by Friday afternoon, we'll have a better idea. Uh, I mean, McCoy, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams all seem to be worth owning in, yeah. to some degree in most leagues at this point. And we're just going to have to watch this one into the weekend, probably. Yeah, I, I definitely think all three of those guys should be owned at this point. And like if Damon Williams is out on Sunday, um, I would bet on McCoy being the backfield leader. But I think Daryl Williams would probably see enough work to be like a running back three or flex play. In the Pittsburgh backfield, Mike Tomlin said Tuesday he didn't have an update yet on James Conner, but it's not really sounding likely that we get James Conner back for this week's game against Cleveland, right? Yeah, Connor did a radio interview um, either either on Monday or Tuesday and kind of said he's just not ready yet. Um, I guess there's like risk of him re-aggravating the shoulder injury and then he would need surgery and he'd be out a bunch longer. So it sounds like he's probably going to miss this game against the Browns. So Benny Snell as the lead back, he had 21 of Pittsburgh's 31 running back carries last week. Um, you know, Kind of in the Bo Scarborough mo- uh, mold where he, he's not going to do much in the passing game. He saw just one target in that game. But a guy who, again, if Connor's out, you can probably pencil Snell in for like 15 or so carries. Benny Snell seemed to have decent hands from the few games of his in college that I watched. But uh, certainly not a, a big time receiving back. I would, I'd be curious to see if they give him a few more targets. It's surprising, though, how far Jalen Samuels has dropped so quickly. Yeah, that was surprising. That sort of came out of nowhere last week that you know, Samuels was really like the third running back in the game. He ended up playing the second most amount of snaps. He, he still you know, led the backfield in routes run and targets. So Samuel is still the pass catching back there, but you know he, he's not really usable at this point. Over to wide receiver where some key injuries are at play as well. We can hit the Steelers first since we just left them. Juju Smith-Schuster, also Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday, doesn't know whether Juju's going to be playing for week 13. Have you heard anything else on his knee since then? Nope, haven't heard anything on Juju. You know, he, he's dealing with the knee and the concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think even if he plays, he's not a super exciting fantasy option. I think hopefully you have better bets this week. You know, with Devlin Hodges under center for the Steelers now. Yeah, I don't think that Juju jumps into the top thirty-six even if he's playing uh, this week. So I, I would certainly try not to use him, regardless. Adam Thielen practice Tuesday coming out of their bye. He's got the hamstring injury that kept him out. Um, and the, the past few times that he played, he also left early. There was the initial injury. Then he tried to come back and left that return game early. Before that, eight targets, seven and six catches in his previous two games. Thielen has scored touchdowns in five of his eight appearances on the season, that including the first game where he initially got hurt. Uh, Seattle this week, fairly neutral matchup overall on defense, so I wouldn't downgrade any of the Vikings skill guys for the matchup at Seattle this week. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it sounded like Minnesota was sort of targeting this game for Thielen all along after he injured that hamstring for the second time. I, it'd be nice to see him get in full practices all week, or at least, you know, maybe on Friday to feel safer with him. But, um, assuming he's active against Seattle, I think he'd be pretty tough to bench in fantasy lineups. Yeah, tough not to use Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs is going to be in. And for tight ends, it might be the biggest impact here because Kirk Cousins has been good even with Adam Thielen out. But Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith saw a lot more work with Adam Thielen off the field than they were before he got hurt. Yeah, so in in Adam Thielen's six healthy games, 
Cal Rudolph averaged 1.8 targets per game. Irv Smith averaged 1.3 targets per game. We'll see what it looks like with Thielen back now, but I, I would try not to use Rudolph or Irv Smith, assuming Thielen's back this week. I agree with that. All right, so back over to receivers. And Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar also dealing with injuries. They seem like they're going to be ready to return this week. Doug Peterson actually say he expects them to play on Sunday? Um, he didn't. He said they're both going to be full goes in practice on Wednesday. So, you know, that that's a good sign. Um, we'll keep an eye on him. I, I don't, even in this matchup, I don't think Aguilar is a real fantasy option. I do think Alshon Jeffrey is in the wide receiver three mix and, and brings quite a bit of touchdown upside, I think, in this game against the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, the ceiling goes high because they're playing the Dolphins. The fact that he hasn't been very good lately and he's coming off the ankle makes him more of a wide receiver three. It would be tough not to play him over, you know, most other like decision level type players. If you've got guys that you're starting every week, then you play them over Alshon Jeffrey. But if you're down in the range where you're you're choosing, then you got to weigh the upside there. And especially with, you know, few other target collectors at the position for the Eagles. I mean, Jeff, a healthy Jeffrey should see eight or nine targets even from Carson Wentz. Lean towards the wide receiver playing the Dolphins when you're, you know, breaking ties. And the fact that Philly dumped Jordan Matthews after the Seattle game certainly also points to them uh, expecting to have these guys back. Right, yep. For the Patriots, Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett, uh, both missed last week's game. Sanu made it back for a limited um, Friday practice last week and was questionable before being deactivated for that game against Dallas. Seems like he is probably going to return for this game against Houston, but we'll have to watch that. And we'll also have to watch just Philip Dorsett's progression through the concussion protocol. Yeah, there is a report that Sanu is dealing with a high ankle sprain, so I was surprised to even see him do anything in Friday's practice. It, it either either the Patriots were just playing injury report games with that, or it's like a super minor high ankle sprain. So we'll keep an eye on Sanu. It's a good matchup for you know any healthy Patriots wide receivers against the Texans. Um, so I th- I do think Sanu would be back as a lower end option if he's able to play this week. I agree, and I'm not too interested in Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers, especially if either of those guys return. Yeah, if either Sanu or Dorsett are back, I think the rookies are out of the mix. Um, if they're both out again, I think I think Jacoby Myers is the better fantasy play at this point. Um, you know, both Harry and Myers played most of the snaps. Um, they were both over eighty percent of the routes. Um, but Myers saw nine targets to Nikhil Harry's four. I just think at this point at Brady's career, Tom Brady's career, that the type of routes that Myers runs, you know, he he, he runs more of the Julian Edelman type routes. I think those just mesh with Brady better at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's got more time on the field this year just by not be, by virtue of not being hurt. Uh, it makes sense for him to be a little bit more ingrained. Yep. Tougher matchups at wide receiver. On the other side of that one, we've got the Texans against the Patriots. DeAndre Hopkins, though, eight catches for 78 yards on 11 targets against the Patriots last September. That was in the season opener. It was the first game back from an ACL tear for Deshaun Watson. He had a, a rough game in that one, but it was still a good outing for DeAndre Hopkins. He comes into this one. Actually, overall, he has three straight games of six-plus catches against New England, and the past two have included Stephon Gilmore. So, I mean, I, I'm not even thinking about sitting DeAndre Hopkins here. I think most people are starting him. I, I would say he's benchable if you're loaded at wideout. I mean, I think Hop, I think Hopkins sits in wide receiver two range in our rankings this week. I, I think he'll be fine. I don't expect to get a ceiling game from him in this mm-hmm. matchup, but you know, the, the volume is going to be there, and, and he's he's good enough to produce in spite of the matchup. Yeah, I would at least feel much better about using him than I would have about using um, Amari Cooper at this time last week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you mentioned in those previous meetings with the Patriots, Hopkins has proven capable of producing in in this matchup. I would absolutely try not to use Will Fuller, though. I mean, we know that the Patriots are tough overall, and with him being more of a downfield guy, he averages four more air yards per target than DeAndre Hopkins, for example, 14 to 10. Mm Uh, the Patriots' ninth best pass rush, according to Pro Football Focus, just doesn't set up well for Deshaun Watson having time to let those kind of routes develop. Yeah, I, I would say just watching Fuller this season, it does seem like he's running more shorter routes. But yeah, I, I still wouldn't want to use him in this spot. You know, he, he's been super boomer bust this season as usual, and th- I think this is likely to be a bust game. Um, the the Patriots' number two and number three corners, Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones, actually have better 
pro football focus coverage grades than even Stephon Gilmore. So it's just a loaded secondary. It's a tough matchup for all the Texans receivers. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen has a tough matchup against the Broncos, likely to see Chris Harris all day in coverage. He's still an easy start in PPR, though, I think. 10-plus targets in four of his past five games this season, and the only one in which he didn't among that five-game stretch was that lopsided run-heavy win over the Packers. He had just four catches for 18 yards against Denver in the first meeting this year, but he only saw six targets in that game. That was during a weird downstretch of target volume for him. Last year, Keenan Allen went for nine catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown in the first meeting on 12 targets. Chris Harris was around for that one. Chris Harris was not around for the second one. Allen had four catches for 64 still on seven targets. Overall for his career, all of which has included Chris Harris as a Bronco, 59% catch rate for Keenan Allen, nine and a half yards per catch. So again, I think he's a solid bet for, you know, something in the range of five catches, 45 to 50 yards. I wouldn't expect huge numbers though in this one. Yeah. Keenan Allen's sort of in the same range for me as DeAndre Hopkins, where the volume should still be there. I just don't expect to get a ceiling game out of, out of him this week. Christian Kirk against the Rams, also in a negative matchup. You're expecting shadow coverage from Jalen Ramsey, right? Yeah, I just think that's worth pointing out so people know if they're starting Christian Kirk. You know, he was playing almost exclusively in the slot for the first couple months of the season, but the Cardinals over the past three games have moved him to the outside. Kirk's played 88% of his snaps outside, so I I do think when he's outside, he's going to get Jalen Ramsey's uh, shadow coverage. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey does grade out just 71st among cornerbacks in coverage, according to Pro Football Focus, since week seven, which is when he came over in the trade from Jacksonville. Um, The Baltimore game, though, is his best single game grade of the season. Has allowed 20 completions on 28 targets in coverage overall, 12.7 yards per catch. Christian Kirk has been seeing deeper stuff lately, too. Shorter targets in the two games against the 49ers, but longer ones in the other two games among the past four where you were talking about he's playing more on the outside. I don't know if that helps or hurts him when he's playing against a strong corner, but it's definitely a matchup to be aware of as you're deciding. Yeah. I mean, I think most weeks, the rest of the way, Kirk is going to be a wide receiver too, but I I think he's a wide receiver three in this matchup. Good matchups of note at wide receivers. Seahawks wideouts get the Vikings this week. Minnesota remains a tough run defense, a very soft pass defense. Only the Panthers and Bucks have allowed more wide receiver receptions at this point. There have been three straight games where a wide receiver has had 100 plus yards against the Vikings. They allowed five total wide receiver games of 100 plus over the past five. And really, probably the only reason that they haven't had a 100 yard receiver against them in each of those games is that they played Washington in that stretch. <laughs> The past two opponents have totaled five wide receiver games of 76 yards or more, and that included a four for 77 from Tim Patrick in week 11. I mean, I think Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf are near must plays this week. Yeah, I agree. That, that It's a bad Vikings pass defense. It's, it's you know really been bad most of the season. Um, it, interesting, though, it's actually it looks like a better matchup for DK Metcalf this week on the outside. Um, o- over the last eight weeks, and this is according to Graham Barfield of, of uh, NFL.com, the Vikings have allowed the second most fantasy points to outside wide receivers, but the 10th fewest fantasy points to slot receivers. Now, I'm not I'm not saying bench Tyler Lockett. I think it's a matchup he can definitely win in, but I, you know, just to highlight how good of a matchup it is for DK Metcalf. Yeah, that was an interesting note. It also that that span that you mentioned included an eight for 105 game from Danny Amendola and a six for 106 and a touchdown from Randall Cobb. So as you said, it's not, it's not bench Tyler Lockett because it's a good matchup for anybody catching passes there. Correct. Bears at Detroit, the first game of Thursday. And it's, we know it's a good matchup for rushing, but it's also a good matchup for passing. Allen Robinson's an obvious weekly start at this point. Taylor Gabriel is expected to miss the game with a concussion. Anthony Miller it seems like whenever I want to like Anthony Miller, he lets me down. And then when I want to not trust him, he steps back up. Taylor Gabriel's absence makes it easier to like Anthony Miller. And he comes into this game with 20 targets over the past two weeks. Only eight guys in the league have seen more targets over that span than he has. And the Bears have been surprisingly pass heavy, even just looking lately over the past four games in the first half of those games, the bears have gone 67.8% pass. So they want to throw the ball. Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like Matt Nagy's game plans vary so much from week to week. I mean, he does either come into a game looking to go pass heavy or run heavy. I mean, so I, I guess 
that that to me adds some risk to Miller if you know they do decide they want to pound David Montgomery in this game. But I mean, th- there's really not many other guys for Trubisky to throw to at this point. Um, the, the Bears are down to tight ends I've never heard of at this point for uh, this game on Thursday afternoon. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think Miller is a good volume bet. Um, still a player I like. I mean, I you know liked him coming out of Memphis had, had a pretty encouraging rookie season. And the matchup's good here, too, obviously. Um, Darius Slay should be shadowing Allen Robinson for this game. And Miller's run 80% of his routes in the slot this year. And the, the Lions have allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to slot receivers. Yeah, and Allen Robinson certainly not going to suffer for that matchup, like him to produce there. And Anthony Miller, it's going to be tough to not play him in DFS this week. And really, the, the I think the Bears started out kind of going up and down with with um, whether they were leaning pass or run. But lately, it's been all leaning pass. You know, it could all change this week, especially if they realize that they've gotten into a bit of a rut. But, I mean, over the past month, it's been pass, pass, pass. Yeah, Miller's going to be the uh, chalk on Thanksgiving, which, you know, a month ago would have sounded crazy. <laughs> yeah. The Rams wideouts. This was one. This was a section where I kind of changed my mind on Jared Goff a little bit. So let's start with the receivers, though, since it is the receiver section. Robert Woods returned from his game away from the team last week. Had nine targets against Baltimore, which you probably didn't notice because they couldn't get anything really going on offense. It was second on the team though, behind Cooper Cup's ten. Woods only played sixty-seven percent of the snaps though, which was well below what he usually does. Brandon Cooks also returned from his own concussion, saw four targets, but played a little bit more than Robert Woods. His playing time, though, was also down slightly from what he usually does. Yeah, um, it was interesting. Josh Reynolds mixed in a lot more last week than he usually does. He actually ran around on 55% of the dropbacks. Um, Cooks and Woods were both you know up in the 60 and 70% area. I, I would assume... That was because Woods was away from the team, you know, for the personal issue, and Cooks was coming back from the concussion. So I would expect Woods and Cooks to be back closer to 100% playing time in this game. Um, what I want to dig into is who do we think Patrick Peterson is going to be on in this game? Because I, I think that's going to matter as to you know which one of these guys between Woods and Cooks is the better fantasy bet. I mean, all these guys move. Well, I, yeah, all these guys move around so much that, and I don't think there's a clear number one here. And Patrick Peterson is not much of a slot guy. I mean, he plays almost all on the outside. So I think if all things were equal and if he played all over the field, then maybe we would say Cooper Cup. But as it is, I think they just stick Patrick Peterson in his spot and then just see how it goes. Yeah, Cooks plays the least amount of the time in the slot. Um, He's at 28%. Robert Woods is at 36%. Cooper Cup, 74%. So yeah, I mean, it, it would seem to me that Cooks will see the most of Patrick Peterson, but I also wouldn't expect him to see Peterson on all of his his uh, routes. Yeah, and I mean, certainly it only takes a couple of times, especially for a receiver with Cooks' kind of profile to, um, you know, make a solid game. And I, I began this, I guess, with a depressed outlook on all of them because of the way Jared Goff has played lately. But then after I looked back, even though he hasn't been very good for real life at all this year, he's been pretty good for fantasy when the matchups are good. Uh, he's coming off an awful November. And I mean, November's not o- over yet, but it's going to be December by the next time he plays. Zero touchdown passes, five interceptions in three November games. He did, though, face Pittsburgh, Chicago, Baltimore. All three of those are top six, I believe, right now in Football Outsiders pass defense DVOA. Before those games, Goff had two touchdowns apiece against Atlanta and Cincinnati. Of course, weaker matchups. Overall, he's been terrible in five matchups against defenses that currently rank among the top eight in Football Outsiders past defense DVOA. In his other six games, Jared Goff is averaging 25 fantasy points per game. Of course, those are six teams that are outside of the top eight. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he bounces back here. You know, it's tough to feel great about him after what we've you know seen the past three weeks, especially in that Monday night game against Baltimore. But yeah, you definitely make a good point about the matchups being tough. Um, and, and, you know, this Arizona matchup definitely is not a tough one. Yeah, I after I found out those numbers and, you know, looked at those numbers earlier today, I, I came away thinking we should move Jared Goff up. But then I kind of looked at who everybody in front of him is playing. And I don't know that I would move him a whole lot higher in our rankings. I certainly think there's upside to him, but I can't say that there is less upside to 
many of the guys in front of him, except for maybe like Deshaun Watson because of his matchup with the Patriots. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'd, I'd still rather not use Jared Goff in season long. I, I'm going to have a Jared Goff team on DraftKings in, in a tournament this week, though, because I wouldn't be surprised if you know he, he has a big one here. Yeah, of course, the matchup here is great. Arizona's 28th in pass defense DVOA. They're the eighth best scoring matchup for wideouts. Number one for quarterbacks, number one for tight ends still. So, you know, if you're making a decision, fire up your Ram in that decision, I think. Yep. Jaguars wideouts, they're in a good spot too. We already mentioned that. Playing against the Bucks, they're still the top scoring matchup for wide receivers and by a wide margin. Even last week when there was the surprisingly bad game for Matt Ryan, the Falcons still ended up having three wideouts go for 68 yards or more receiving. The Bucks have allowed wide receiver games of 110 plus um, in each of the previous three games, they've allowed eight total wide receiver games of 100 plus yards, 95 pass attempts over the past two games for Nick Foles. As we mentioned, DJ Chark's an easy play. Chris Conley is a fairly easy wide receiver three. He's seen uh, seven plus targets in five straight games, including eight and nine the past two weeks. Yeah, Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook are, are guys that I'd be looking to get into fantasy lineups as like wide receiver threes or flex options, both seeing Good volume. Um, Didi's averaging seven targets per game this season. He's seen at least six targets in all but two of his games. And like we've been saying, the Bucks are bad against all wide receiver spots. They've allowed the most fantasy points to outside wide receivers. So that's Chris Conley. And the Bucks have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to slot receivers. So that's Didi. I was hopeful for Nick Foles and crew last week. I'm confident in them this time around. Yeah, me too. Tight end, we've got Dallas Goddard going against the Dolphins. He was I was doing my streaming article earlier today and checking the uh, own rates on ESPN. He's only owned in like, I don't know, 34% of leagues there, which says to me that there are lots of dead leagues and lots of smaller leagues on there because I don't think there's any way that most people are actually able to go to the waiver wire and find players like Dallas Goddard and Ryan Griffin available. Yeah, I would sure hope not. I mean, I, I think, you know, Goddard's been a top 12 tight end in our rankings the past few weeks now. He's definitely safely inside the top 12 this week against the Dolphins. You know, Goddard, as far as snaps and routes, he's basically playing the same exact role as Zach Ertz, and Ertz is still seeing a bit more volume, but Goddard's volume has been good too. Um, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, they're back this week. Maybe that cuts into Goddard's volume and playing time a little bit, but I still think he he's going to see enough action, especially in this matchup, to be a solid fantasy play. Absolutely. Under 40 yards receiving in four straight games, but the targets are there for the position. Past six games, eight, four, five, five, six, and eight targets. Uh, The Dolphins are just a mid-pack matchup as far as tight end scoring goes, but it's still a positive spot by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. And really, it would probably be a better spot if opponents actually needed to go to the tight ends. It's another thing like the Bengals where they're just so beatable everywhere. It's just where teams decide to beat them yeah exactly Gerald Everett is more risky than we would like he has been playing less he has been running fewer routes lately but kind of like Dallas Goddard he gets a matchup that's just been a a point bonanza for tight end so if you need an upside guy I think Gerald Everett is worth the risk I think so I mean is is Everett the play over Tyler Higby still though because Higby's ran more routes and seen more targets over the past two weeks I know Everett, Everett missed some time in that game on Monday night with a knee injury. He did end up coming back, and he made a catch in the fourth quarter. So we'll keep an eye on the knee thing. I would still lean his way if I'm you know, picking between these two. And I, I do think both guys have upside in the matchup. Um, but yeah, I obviously wish Everett had done a little bit more coming into this matchup so we could feel better about him. Yeah, I think this is Chris Carson versus Rashad Penny, but Everett at least doesn't have uh, as far as we know, the negative going for him like or going against him like Chris Carson does with the fumbles. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. And I mean, I think it's possible that you know both these guys have, have decent games against Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. Jack Doyle should see some upside now that Eric Ebron's out of the way, right? Yeah, I mean, Ebron leaves behind 4.7 targets per game. Doyle was already averaging 3.8 himself. So, you know, I, he's not going to take everything that Ebron was getting, but I think you can add another target or two. So you're, you're looking at a guy who you know should be seeing five, six targets per game. So at tight end, that, that's enough to make him, I, I think, a starter at least in positive matchups. And he has a positive matchup this week against Tennessee, who is 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, and let's hope that we see a better a healthier T.Y. Hilton this week that's playing more snaps and taking more targets away. Right, yep. On to defense now, some streaming options that are available. And and really, it's a solid week for 
defenses, how, how available they are is going to vary widely by league, but you know, the top of our rankings are usually populated by um, season long starters this week's far less. So, I mean, the Eagles are the best example of that, I think for the matchup with Phil, with uh, Miami, they've been a better defense anyway. They've held several, they've held four straight opponents to 17 points or fewer that included the Patriots and Seahawks the past two weeks. I mean, they're as strong an option as anybody now that they're facing the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, that, that matchup is about as safe as it gets. Carolina actually sits first in our uh, Week 13 defense rankings. I didn't check um, you know, how highly they're owned, but they, you know, they did have that game against the Saints last week, so I would assume they're, they were dropped in quite a few leagues. They are home for the Redskins on Sunday. Dwayne Haskins, you know, he, he's, he's been sacked 13 times in his three starts and has also turned it over three times uh, over that span. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice floor to that matchup with Haskins and obviously a terrific ceiling as well. Um, So like both of those, if they're available, the Packers more available than both of them. They were available in in more than 75% of ESPN leagues as of this morning. Daniel Jones has been a turnover machine and the Packers are ninth in the league in takeaways. Yeah, 17 giveaways in nine starts for Daniel Jones. So, you know, almost two giveaways a game. Mm-hmm. So consider yourself lucky if you find the Packers available, and even though they're a road team, they're six and a half point favorites this week. Uh, so those are good ones. Looking ahead, if you need streamers for weeks 14 through 16, I think now is a good time to get on that. And it's another mark in favor of the Eagles because beyond that Dolphins matchup, they're home for the Giants, which is even better than if they were going to face them at MetLife. And then that matchup that we talked about with Washington. Yeah. So, so here's what I'd try to do at defense. Grab either the Eagles or the Packers and, you know, use that team this week, use that team next week because, or sorry, use that team for the following two weeks because the Packers get Washington and then Chicago in weeks 14 and 15. And then I, I would right now even just stash the Texans who I think should be available in most leagues considering they're playing the Patriots this week. The Texans get the Bucks in week 16. So you can sort of use the Texans plus either the Eagles or Packers and have a nice matchup for your defense the rest of the way. Yeah, there's some risk to that matchup with the Bucks, but it's also an upside matchup anytime you get it. Another one, Washington, you could consider they are home against the Giants in Week 16. You could consider stashing them for that matchup where you don't want to use um, either Philly or Green Bay. Not a whole lot of other options I can point to on that front now, but it's definitely time this week to try to look ahead to those spots. It's time to give up on, you know, backup wide receivers, whatever that you're, you've been waiting for value from and get something that you're actually going to play over these final few weeks. Yeah. Hang on to those running back handcuffs, but yeah, the low upside wide receiver stashes um, can be dropped at this point. The the last team I'll just point out the Dolphins matchup in week 14 goes to the Jets. So I think that the Jets are a team you could grab now and stash to use next week. Nice. That's going to do it for this week 13 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our full week 13 rankings and read more of Jared's top picks for playing the Thanksgiving slate on DraftKings. We will be back at it Friday with our usual DFS shows to cover the main slate. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for swimming with us.